0: Welcome to First Presbyterian Church in North Palm Beach, Florida. We exist to help people pursue and share gospel driven lives. We hope whether you're investigating faith, a seasoned follower of Jesus, and anywhere in between, this podcast helps you connect with Jesus. Father, guide us in your truth and teach us, for you are God, our Savior and our hope is in you all day long. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Friends, hear the word of the Lord from 2 Corinthians chapter one, verses three through four. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort one another with the comfort that we ourselves receive from God. This is the word of the Lord. So this passage from 2 Corinthians bears echo to what's considered the most popular passage around the world, Psalm 23. Many of us are familiar with David's famous words, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside still waters. We recite this when we're at funerals. It's on the walls of hospitals. We pray this when we're afraid or when we're sad. Coolio even wraps this in the song Gangsta's Paradise, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I shall fear no evil, for you are with me, and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, why is it that a passage like this is so meaningful to Christians all over the world, as well as for people who may not even consider themselves to be followers of Jesus? It's because it speaks to the heart of the human experience. Every single one of us has two things in common. We experience suffering, and we have a desire to be rescued or protected from it. You know, we all have challenges in our lives that cause us difficulties, things that cause us suffering. As the Brazilian theologian Leonardo Boff once said, all of us carry on our shoulders or in our hearts some cross. And each cross, as little as it may look, is heavy. For some of us, the cross that we carry is more physical. For others of us, it's more relational. I know for me, the cross has often been felt mentally and emotionally. Yet even though we all experience suffering differently, it really doesn't matter at the end of the day because suffering is suffering. It all feels the same in our hearts. It's painful, it's heavy, it's crippling, it's scary. But what makes a passage like Psalm 23 so captivating is that it seems to offer us hope that deliverance is possible in our suffering, though perhaps in a way that's a little bit different than how we tend to think of it. Rather than taking David out of his situation, God fortifies him within it. And so also, God doesn't always deliver us from our sufferings, but he does offer us deliverance within it. Or as Boff would go on to say, The cross that we carry can be lived as either a tribulation or a liberation. And David found that deliverance, that fortitude in God's presence and God's comfort. And this is the same comfort that Paul says God offers us in 2 Corinthians 1 writing in a time when the Corinthian church was going through much difficulty and trouble, and Paul himself had been suffering much persecution for the sake of the gospel, nine times in the first seven verses alone, Paul uses the word comfort. And in the language that this letter was originally written in, the word that Paul uses for comfort is not used in exactly the same way that we tend to think of it. You know, usually when we think of comfort, we think of consoling, like we're sitting on the couch and I have my arm around you. And while yes, that idea is communicated in this word, it's also expressing something much deeper than that. The word for comfort, it's paraklesis, is often translated elsewhere in the scriptures as encouragement. To encourage literally means to build courage within. Courage is that animating force within us where the spirit empowers us to move stalwartly and indomitably in the face of adversity. Encouragement is like a shield that protects us from discouragement, which is that power that paralyzes us in fear or despair. So for Paul, God's comfort is actually active and deeply engaging empowering us to move forthrightly through adversity as we seek to live out the gospel. But what's very interesting is what Paul says the source of this comfort is, God's compassion. Now, this is a bit of a surprise to me because oftentimes I can think of compassion as something that makes us weak or soft. And maybe that's just because of my athletic background where concepts like tough love are usually thought of as being much more effective and making you strong through adversity. But for Paul, it's the opposite. God's compassion actually makes you strong and resilient. His tender love that wraps around your mind and your heart, it shields you from the arrows of discouragement. And it's taken me a while to realize that the fortitude we are all looking for to overcome our sufferings is actually rooted in God's compassion, his comfort. This irony is perhaps best illustrated in a picture of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. Dane Ortland wrote a book called Gentle and Lowly where he says that of all the things that we learn about Jesus in the Gospels, his teachings, his miracles, his death and resurrection, there is only one place where Jesus opens up to us about his very heart. That's in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30. When Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Of all the things that Jesus could have said to describe what animates him most deeply, what is most true of him at the innermost core of his being, Jesus says that he is gentle and lowly. Now, to know God's gentleness and lowliness is to know his compassion and comfort. To say that Jesus is gentle simply means that he's not trigger happy. He's strong and powerful, but he's not harsh or reactionary or easily exasperated. Jesus is the most understanding person in the universe. The posture that's most natural to him is not a pointed finger, but it's actually open arms. I think of the image of the Lord in Isaiah 40, verse 11, where the Lord is described as a shepherd who gathers the lambs in his arms and he holds them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. God does not get tired of embracing you, he doesn't cringe when he thinks of you. But actually, the inner core of God's being moves him to lean into your sins and insecurities. Your doubts and your anxieties, and even your failures, because that's just who God is. God is sovereign and righteous, but yet He's tender and open, accommodating, willing, accepting. And to say that Jesus is lowly is essentially the same idea. As Ortland would go on to say, for all of God's majesty and His holiness, His supreme uniqueness and otherness. No one in human history has ever been more approachable than Jesus Christ. In other words, Jesus is accessible. Guys, God is not far from any of us. And the only requirement for us to enter into the loving and restful embrace of Jesus is to open ourselves up to him. Confession, honesty, surrender, Openness is a mysterious act of faith, something that I've been learning recently about practically opening ourselves up to the presence of Jesus. Uh, The Lord in the Old Testament reveals his name in Hebrew as Yahweh, which literally means I am who I am, or I will be what I will be. God always is, and he always will be a part of reality, Well, God's name can be spoken as an inhale and an exhale. Inhale. Exhale. And the Hebrew word for breath is the same word for spirit, which means that with every inhale and exhale, your very breath is a reminder to pay attention to the spirit who gives it to you. Every breath you take is a reminder of this reality. You are loved and your life has purpose. And no matter what suffering we go through, God is as accessible to us as our very breath. And the paradox of God's comfort is that when we open ourselves up to acknowledging the presence of Jesus and abiding in him, the burden of life becomes a non-burden his rest becomes our comfort. And this is the same paradox of Psalm 23, and it's the same paradox of 2 Corinthians 1. God's compassionate comfort fortifies us in the midst of suffering. Now, the main way that we actually come to experience God's comfort is actually through one another. You see, God has made us in his image so that through us, we can reflect God's love to one another. That's why Paul will go on to say that God comforts us so that we can comfort one another in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves receive from God. You see, there's a missional aspect to this where the Holy Spirit empowers us and comforts us for two reasons, for our own sake, but also so that we can comfort others. So, this upcoming year, I'm going to be starting to train as a hospital chaplain. And uh, for those of you who may may not be familiar with chaplaincy, the heart of chaplaincy is simply to be present with others in their suffering as God is present with us. And why would anyone want to do that? Well, the Catholic bishop Robert Barron once said that the instinct of the Christian is to lean into suffering. The instinct of the Christian, not just the minister, is to lean into suffering, to go into the pain of others, to enter into the abyss of the dark valleys. And we do this because this is what God does for us in Jesus Christ. At the heart of our story, God himself embraces our sin and our suffering when he's nailed to a cross. And even as he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because the suffering was so real. What we find is that Jesus is not asking God, why me? But he's actually seeking God, where are you? He's seeking God in a time when the suffering is so real that God almost seems impossible to see. Have you been there? Do you know someone who's been there? Because Jesus fully understands what that's like. He's shouldered it himself. He sits with you and he feels with you. And he tells us that God is still worth seeking. Because if God is present, then there is purpose. There's hope. And the resurrection confirmed that God's light does shine in the darkness. And the darkness will not overcome it. And if this is a reality, then as Christians, we have the audacious hope to believe that as challenging as our lives may be, God is still present and the resurrection is coming. Growth and new life through our sufferings. That's why we have the instinct to lean into it. That's why we have the instinct to lean into the compassionate one who holds us as we journey through the dark valleys and empowers us to the resurrection. And if this comfort, this hope, is actually available to us, Then there is nothing more important than for us to reflect that hope for one another. To go on the long and difficult journey of being with one another, to see that even in the darkest valleys, God's limitless love calls out to you that He is still there. So last week, we heard from Pastor Jared about bearing one another's burdens. And he said that we do this in three ways by seeing one another in our pain, by sharing one another's burdens in spending time with one another. We comfort one another when we bear each other's burdens. And sometimes we do this through our words, sometimes we do this through our acts of service, but mostly what we do this with is with our presence. That when the suffering of life becomes so bad that it's almost impossible to see God, sometimes the best thing that you can do is simply sit there next to someone and that communicates everything that needs to be said, that I am with you. I may not be going through what you're going through right now, but I see you. I see you in your pain, and I'm not going anywhere. You can cry, you can shout, you could not say anything, but I will be here. And as messy as this may be, we will walk through this together, because God is with us, and the cross is always followed by the resurrection. So a couple of years ago, uh, my good friend Jacob and I were at McKeb's bagel shop just talking about school and life and the conversation had come up about how God fortifies us in our suffering. And um, all of a sudden this voice comes from the table behind me and he says, he says, I'm sorry, but what are you guys talking about? And um, the guy's name was, was Ikem and he was maybe in his like early 40s or so. And uh, the best word that I can use to describe him is intense. Like he was a bigger, tough looking guy, bald head, tattoo on his neck and raspy voice. And he, he you know, we just exchange a little bit and, and he says, I couldn't help but overhear what you guys were talking about. And he goes on to speak for 30 minutes nonstop of just sharing his whole life story. And I wish that I could capture the kind of darkness that this man has gone through in his life. His mother got addicted to heroin when she was 14 years old. His father was shot in the head twice, three days before Ikem was born. Him and his two brothers ended up being sent to a foster care system that didn't take good care of them. And he grew up as a fighter um, as a kid, and eventually he ended up being in prison for 10 years for reasons that he didn't explain. But the craziest part of it all was that of everything that he's experienced, he says that living in Florida is the worst of it all. Because since he has come here, he kept repeating about how there was no love from the people around him. That every time he would share his emotions, people either, they just told him to get over it, they cut themselves off from him, or they just backed away from him. And he said that he's enraged because he's a fighter who's wanted to kill people, but people who are weaker than him are actually making him feel weak. So he's on a search for fortitude. And so he went on for about 30 minutes, and the entire time, Jacob and I have not said anything. We've just listened. Partly because we were being respectful and partly because we had no idea what to say to this. And so we listened. And eventually we had an opportunity to ask follow-up questions. And I remember internally praying for God to give me the words to say, but I wasn't getting an answer. Until finally, I Kem said something that I'm telling you is true. I'm not making this up. He said, I'm just so tired, man, I have this yoke around my neck that I just want to get off of me. And Kem was not a Christian at the time, but it was in that moment that it was so clear that God was peeling the veil back. And so we pulled out Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30, and we talked a little bit about God's compassion and his, his, his gentleness and how his love comforts us in our suffering. And I remember at one point even saying, like, listen, Kem, I'm not saying Jesus is going to take away all your problems, but I can tell you this, the love and the compassion of Jesus will give you the kind of fortitude that you're looking for. And when he was leaving, I wish that you could have seen the smile on his face when he hugged Jacob and I and he left. He was a different person when he left than when he came in. And I don't know what happened to him after that. I don't know if he ended up praying about these verses. I don't know if he ended up going to church. Jacob gave him his card. But I do know this. That in that moment, God comforted him because all he was needing was for someone to see him in his suffering and be present with him in compassion. And if you're newer to our church, our biggest hope is that this would be a place of comfort for you. That this would be a place where you know that you are seen and that you know you don't have to shoulder your burdens alone. And the best way for you to be able to find that is through our community groups where you can be surrounded by like-minded people who are committed to seeking God and supporting one another as we face the challenges of following Jesus in this life. And I actually want to close with a prayer that one of my friends from the community group that I'm a part of uh, had showed our group the other day. Her name's Sarah Cohen. And um, I actually had it framed and put it above my desk because it touched me so much. It's called the Valley of Vision. Please pray with me. Lord, high and holy, gentle and lowly, you have brought us to the valley of vision, where we live in the depths but see you in the heights. Hemmed in by mountains of sin, we behold your glory. Let us learn by paradox that the way down is the way up, that to be low is to be high, that the broken heart is the healed heart, that the repenting soul is a victorious soul, and that to have nothing is to possess all, and to bear the cross is to wear the crown, that to give is to receive, and that the valley is the place of vision. Let us find your light in our darkness, your life in our death, your joy in our sorrow, your grace in my sin, and your glory in our valley. Thanks for joining us at FPC. For more info and to connect with us, check out www.firstpresnpb.org.